Anybody glad to be here? I um, guess if you weren't going to be here, you got a great excuse to skip church today. Okay? But uh, glad that you're here. And, um, uh, you know, I, I just been thinking about some of this stuff that's going on in the world. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just mad. I never, I'd never dreamed in my lifetime I would, I would see the day where a governor would get up and say, y'all can't get together, you know, you can't come to church, you know, it's just kind of madness, um, but you know what, God's good, in the middle of all, in the middle of, all of it, it, it doesn't matter what's going on, I'm, I'm not affected by it. I want you to look at this with me real quick, I've been thinking about this scripture, Colossians chapter 1, and look at verse 13. It says here, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness. Somebody say rescued today. You've, you've been rescued. You've been rescued from something. You've been rescued from darkness. He calls it the domain of darkness. You were rescued from darkness. Do you know what that means? You're no longer in darkness. You used to be in darkness, but you were rescued from darkness. Well, you know what that means, too? The world is still in darkness. Yep. The, you look, look at this stuff going on. Nothing seems to make sense. It's, it's because they're in darkness. They don't know what to... You ever been in the dark? And you're trying to get around, and you're, and, and you're stepping on kids' toys, and you're stepping on all kinds... It's just... It's dark. You don't know what's going on. You've been rescued from that, and he says you've been transferred into the kingdom of the son he loves. So listen, you're no longer in darkness. You've been taken out of darkness and deposited into the kingdom of God. That's good news right there. You are in a kingdom, not just a kingdom. You are in the kingdom. And when you change kingdoms, how many of you know there's a change in law? There's a change in rules. There's a change in the way you do things. I remember the first time I went to England on a missions trip and they told me, you need to drive a, the car and take the team someplace. And I looked at them and said, I can't drive here. You all do it backwards. And they said, no, you'd be fine. You can do it. And I got into the car and the stick shift is on my left. And I thought that was weird, but, and then the, I was driving on the wrong side of the road. And I, I remember pulling into a gas station and coming out to get to, into the road, and, and I just looked at it and looked at it and looked. I couldn't figure out which side to get on. It took, I just sat there, and I, it, I was confused. I felt like I was in darkness. I just sat there, and, and finally I picked a side, and it was the wrong side. <laughs> and I had to quickly get back on the other side. And it, but it, there's, when you move kingdoms, there's a change in the way you do things. And I want, to, I want to speak about this this morning because you've been taken from one system. You've been taken from the world's system and deposited into the system of the kingdom of God. And when you come into the system of the kingdom of God, you've got to learn how to operate. I've been speaking over the last several weeks that, or times that I've spoken anyway. I've been speaking about the living the abundant life. The fact that Jesus said to us, I have come so that you can have life and have it abundantly. And I want to talk about, about this living the abundant life, living in the kingdom of God just a little bit deeper this morning, 
But I, I was thinking about this world system. The world system is broken, isn't it? The world's system is broken. I had a, I had a car I bought one time, and I bought it broken. I, went, I knew it was broken when I bought it. I went and I, I looked at this car. It was a 1971 MG Midget, which sounds very offensive, doesn't it, the Midget? But it was, a, it was this little, it was a Midget car. It was a little tiny car, and it was kind of a broken down, run down car, but the price was right. And I, I, looked, I looked at the guy, and I, I looked at the car. It looked okay to me. I said, does it run? He said, yeah, it runs great. Would you like to hear it? I said, I'd love to hear the car run, yeah. So he went to the back of the car and he opened the gas tank and he poured some gasoline in. I thought, well, that's funny. Doesn't he have gas in the car already? But, and, and, and he closed it up. And before he could start the car, I started hearing something running on the ground. I said, what is that? What's that noise? He said, oh, that's the gasoline. I said, what do you mean it's the gas? Said, well, there's a big hole in the gas tank and all the gas runs out. There's a hole in the gas tank? He said, yeah, yeah, but it's fine. I drive around with a gas can in the car. So every couple miles, I just put some more gas in. And the engine was the size of a lawnmower, so it didn't take much gas anyway. But I thought, that's a bad system. And I said, so if I, if I buy this car, I can, I can, it's a, is it okay for me to drive home? Oh, it's fine. You could drive it home. Just be careful because the brakes don't work. I said, well, what do you mean they don't work? They're a little, little sluggish or something. He said, no, they don't work, but the emergency brake works. That's a bad system. But I didn't like that. But it's a lot like the world system. They just keep pouring in gasoline, and it just keeps running out. They've got a broken system. They don't even know it's broken. They just keep doing the same thing, and it's not working. And so I, I got the car home, and I don't know anything about cars, um, but I know that's not a good system. And so I, you know what I did? Because I don't know anything about cars, I bought a manual. And I looked at the manual, and the manual told me how to change the system. The manual said you need to take the, the, gas can, the gas tank out and put this new one in, and it's just a few bolts and all this. And so I did that. And then I said, well, I want the brakes to work. How do I change the brake system? And so I looked at it. It said take the master cylinder and try to rebuild. I tried to rebuild it. It didn't work. I had to get a new master cylinder. I put that thing in there, and the brakes work. It, I had to change the system. But you'd know how I found out how to change the system. I had to go to the manual. Listen, you're in a broken system, but you're not part of the system. You're in a new system called the kingdom of God. And if you want to find out how the kingdom of God works, let's get in the manual and find out. Because he set this thing up so that you don't have to be dependent on the world system. Isn't that good? You don't have to be dependent on the broken system. I was reading this week. This is just, just goes to the logic of our world. Our world says if you, if you want to make money, well, you should borrow money. It takes money to make money. Do you, know, do you know the number one largest company in the world, largest retailer in the world, Walmart? Do you know Walmart is over 40 billion, with a B, dollars in debt? They own 40 billion dollars of debt. Can you imagine the interest on that in one month. But that's how the world does business. It's a broken system. It doesn't make sense. It's broken, but nobody knows what else to do. They look at, the, they look at what they're doing and think it's normal. They think it's right, but you're part of a different system, church. And so I'm talking to you this morning about let's, let's change systems. 
Let's get out of the system. Let's get out of the world's way of doing things and let's get into God's way of doing life. Are you with me this morning? The world's in darkness. You know, the thing about being deceived, you don't always know you're deceived. The world is deceived. It doesn't know it's in darkness. But once you see the light, you know what I mean? You might, you might wake up and the room seems kind of bright and you, you walk around and the, it, it seems like it's bright and suddenly you walk outside and you can't see. You've had that experience. You walk outside and you're, you're blinded by the light. Once you see the light, you recognize you've been in darkness. Once the world sees your light, they're going to recognize the light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So you, you've been taken out of darkness and placed in the kingdom. You were placed in the kingdom for a reason, to be the light of the world. So start being, we need to start being the light. Amen. We need to start living like the light. We need to start living like we have light. And the only way we can do that is by understanding what the manual says and changing systems, amen? Come on. Um, I mentioned, I failed to mention this. We have a, a good size group watching online this morning. And so what we're gonna do I want you guys online to help me out because I am not getting very many amens in here. And so I want you, if you would, type amen, hit the like button or something. And I think Brad's up there. Brad's going to holler, somebody's going to holler amen real loud every time they post one online. So we have a little, we have a little interaction. It'll encourage me. Thank you. Thank you. So when you hear that, that's what that is this morning. Okay. So Jesus said... You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. You don't have light to keep it to yourself. You know, hey, we got light in our house. I don't know about you all, but we got, no, it's time for us to be the lights. Amen. We're not supposed to be light for ourselves. We're supposed to be light for this world. Amen. Come on. See, the church lives in fear. The church, so I said that wrong. The world lives in fear. The church should be fearless. The world is living in fearfulness. We should be fearless. The world is hopeless. We need to show them hope. Listen, the, the world needs to see the church walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. They need to see the church healing the sick. They need to see the church raising the dead. They need to see the church casting out demons. They need to see the church cleansing the lepers. They need to see the church walking in the power of God so that when they see and they recognize the light, they'll be drawn towards the light like a moth is drawn toward the flame. Are you with me this morning? Come on, church, it's time that we be the lights. See, we live in this, in this broken system, the broken world. I spoke about this last week a little bit. I touched on it that the world system lives with a lack mentality. They look at what's in their pockets. In fact, I, I shared the story from Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he asked the disciples, where are we gonna get enough food to feed everybody? And what did the disciples do? They looked at what they had. They said, Lord, we don't, there's no way we have enough because they had the lack mentality. But Jesus wasn't looking at what they had. He was looking in the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God is everything you need. And so this morning, we want to talk about how to live in the kingdom. We want to talk about, we're talking about abundant life. I want to talk to you about how to access abundant life, how to live life in the kingdom. It's all in the manual. I'm going to share it with you, okay? 
See, we're in a new system, but we gotta change our thinking. Let me say this. What God has called you to, what God has called you to do, the purpose he has for you is bigger than what you can finance out of your pockets. What he's called this church to is bigger than what you can finance for us. He's called us to bigger, and in order to access the bigger, we gotta start, we gotta start learning to do things his way. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He's either gonna serve God or he's gonna serve money, but you can't serve both. And do you know what a lot of people do? They hear a call of God, they feel God's calling them to do something, and the first thing they do is look at what they have. I can't do it because I don't have enough. Who are you serving? You can't serve God and money. I don't have enough money to do that, Lord. You're calling the wrong person. Who are you serving? The one you're serving is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything you can ask or imagine. Amen. Come on online. Amen. Look at Galatians chapter 3. I want to share with you about how to change systems this morning. I've been reading Oral Roberts um, lately and, and just learning from what he says about the kingdom of God, about sowing and reaping and some of these things. I want to share some of, of it with you. One of the things that really struck me, he said when God told him, in fact, he was 17 years old and God told him, you're going to build me a university. He, didn't, he said, I, I didn't know what to do with that. In fact, he said he, he, he didn't even graduate from college. He went to college, but he never even graduated. He said, what do I do with that, Lord? How am I going to build a university? And God told him, you're going to build it out of the same thing I used to build the universe. And, the, and, and he said that was nothing, but that's not quite entirely true. What God built the universe out of was faith in the word that he spoke. But the point is he didn't have the resources. He didn't have in his pocket what he needed to go build a university but he was believing God for something bigger than he could finance. And so I want to tell you this morning, God's called you to something bigger. God's called you to something bigger, and it might be, for you, it might be something holding you back like finances, or it might be your, your physical body, it might be something going on in your family, it might be some kind of thing in your life that you feel like is holding you back. But I want you to know this morning, the one who called you is able to do more than you can even ask or imagine. The one who called you is able to equip you. The one who called you is able to send you. The one who called you is able to do it this morning, amen? So look at Galatians chapter 3. Now, let's start here. Galatians 3, look at verse 6. And he says this, he says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, then understand those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Whose son are you this morning? Say it real loud. Whose son are you? Okay, did you see that this morning? I'm not lying to you. I want you to understand something. He says, if you got faith, you're Abraham's son. So listen, the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Look down to verse 13. Hang with me. Christ has redeemed us, say redeemed. Come on, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it's written, everyone who is hung in a tree is cursed. The purpose was that the blessing 
of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Jesus Christ so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Whose blessing do you have? You, you're, a, you're a son of Abraham. Now, you're also a son of God, and I'm not belittling that, but he calls you here a son of Abraham because you're in the same lineage. You have the same, you have the same heritage with Abraham. You inherited that name, and you also inherited something else. You inherited his blessing. So you're a son of Abraham, and you got, the, you got Father Abraham's blessing. You with me so far? Drop down to verse 18. For if the inheritance is from the law, it's no longer from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. Look at verse 29, all the way at the end of the chapter. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So let me ask you a question again. Whose seed are you? Thank you, Abraham's seed. Whose blessing did you inherit? How did you get it? By faith, you inherited the blessing. So hang with me now, because a lot of people, they claim things in their family. Oh, diabetes runs in the family, okay? This, whatever, you name the illness, arthritis, it runs in the family, you know? Um, you pick it, you pick it. I don't want to name too many things, but they say it runs in their family, Obesity runs in the family. Good looks run in my family. I don't know. But, but, but not, not hair, though, that, unfortunately. Just, um, but some people claim a lot of things. But listen, that's the curse. The curse runs in the family of the world. But you, when you believed on Jesus Christ, he took you out of the domain of darkness and he deposited you into the kingdom and you became part of a different family. Now you're part of the family with Abraham and you no longer have the curse. You're, you got the blessing on your life. And I want to speak about this a little, a little bit. I've, not, I've spoken about the blessing before recently, but I got I to gotta go here again to understand what I'm talking about this morning. See, Abraham didn't live like the rest of the world around him, did he? When he went places, kings were jealous of him. Imagine that. Kings were jealous of Abraham. He had to keep moving along. He couldn't stay in one place because some king would get jealous of him because he, he was blessed. You got the blessing on your life. So this guy, this guy, think about it, is living out in the wilderness. God called him to leave his home, and he left town. And as, as far as we're told in Scripture, he left town with, with his dad, who died along the way, and his nephew Lot, and their, their wives and stuff. And suddenly, somehow, while he's out in the wilderness, he becomes so prosperous that he's got an entire army of trained men who were born in his household working for him. He's got a group of assassins that work in his house. You didn't come and mess with Abraham. You get one of the assassins after you. The guy was blessed. And kings would see this guy, and they, they didn't want to touch him because he, was, he, was, he, he would mess him up. Listen, but it was the blessing and favor of God on him. And that's what the blessing was designed to do. It was designed to make him blessed. Why was he blessed? God told him this. You'll be a blessing to the entire world. 
His blessing was meant to bless the world. Now, Jesus came through him, and that was the ultimate blessing, but Abraham's blessing was designed to be a blessing to the world. You have the blessing on you. What's the blessing for? So that you can bless this world, because right now this world is in gross darkness, but you have light. You have the light of the Holy Spirit. You have the light of Jesus inside you, and you're meant to be light to this world. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You get to be light. Look at chapter Um, Look at Genesis. I'm going to show you how to switch systems this morning. Look at Genesis chapter 14. And there's a story here about Abraham. And um, Abraham, you know the the story here. He and Lot were living together, and and, uh, they became became so prosperous. They both had so much that their uh, shepherds were fighting and things like this. So they separated and Lot went down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham went the other direction. And something happened while Lot's living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Some kings come and invade. An army comes and invades Sodom and Gomorrah and they carry off everything. All the, all the animals, all the food, all the, all the people, everything is taken captive. And in chapter 14, in verse 13, it says, one of the survivors came and told Abram, at that time his name was still Abram, the Hebrew who lived near the oaks, belonging to whoever, whatever all this is. Um, he says, when Abram, he told him what happened. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken prisoner, he assembled his 318 trained men born in his house, and they went in pursuit. Now, at this time, Abraham's an old man, too. But he goes with his 318 trained young men, and they go off to war. And they go, and they, they take care of this business now. They get everything back. I want you to understand something for a minute. Sodom and Gomorrah was not a nice place. You, you know that. Very shortly after this, the whole city, cities, the whole area, the whole region is destroyed because of the wrath of God. It's not a nice place. But because the blessing is on Abraham, he can't help being a blessing to the world around you, around him. Now listen, you got the blessing on you. It's not your place to start judging. Abraham didn't say, you know, I'm not helping those stupid people. I'll go get my nephew and let the rest of them fend for themselves. His blessing, his, the blessing was working through him, blessing the world around him because that's how it was designed to work. Because when it, this is how it's meant to work in your life, because when the world sees the blessing and favor of God on your life and you're using it to bless them, they're drawn to that. They're drawn to that in you. Come on. So look at this story. He gets everything back. And look at verse 17. Abram, he returned, and somebody named Melchizedek the king of Salem comes out. And Melchizedek is not his name. This is his title. It, the, name, the name means it's two different names, really, is what it is. Molech is, is Hebrew for king, and Zedek, or however you say that, is, is righteousness. So what his title is, is the king of righteousness, or the righteous king. And he's the king of Salem, which they believe later became Jerusalem, and Salem meant peace, Shalom. So he's the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And that's why in the book of Hebrews, it refers to Melchizedek as a type of Christ. 
But the point is, this guy came out and he was, he was a, it says that he was a priest of God. He wasn't a priest because of his lineage, but he was, anyway, we're getting into a different story here. But he comes out and he's a priest. And as a priest, it says he brought out wine and some bread and, they, and, and um, he blessed Abraham. Look at verse 19. He pronounces this blessing on him. And I want to help you understand this this morning. And let me read this in the King James Version. In verse 17, he says, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. I want you to catch something this morning because, and, I, and I've taken some of this material from Oral Roberts' um, teaching, I want you to understand some keys to switching kingdoms, some keys to switching systems. And the first thing he says here, that God is the possessor of heaven and earth. He doesn't just say heaven, he says heaven and earth. He wants us to understand something, God's our source. God is the source. I mentioned that this morning. God is our source, not man. Man is not our source, our jobs are not our source, our our finances are not our source, our 401k sure isn't our source. Or whatever, you, you look at whatever it is, that's not your source. God's your source. There are resources that God's given you, but those things are not your source. He is your source because those things could dry up in a second without him. But he's our source. Keep your finger here for a minute and look at Philippians 4.19. Can you put that up on the screen? See, Abraham had a revelation of God and he, he revealed, he says it later, He calls God Jehovah-Jireh. What's Jehovah-Jireh? It's the Lord, my provider. Abraham had a revelation that God was his provider, not man. He had a revelation because when the king of, we'll read that story later, when the, the king of Sodom and Gomorrah comes, he says, you can have everything, just give me the people. You can have every, Abraham doesn't want it. He says, I don't want it because I don't want you to say you made me rich. I don't need your, I don't need your money. God's going to take care of me because he had a revelation that God was his provider. Philippians 4, 19. And my job will, is that, wait, hang on. I don't have my glasses on. And the people in our church will supply, no, hang on. And my, oh, my God, my God will supply all of your needs. Somebody say all. God will supply all your needs according to his riches. It's not about my riches. It's not about your, it's not about what you got. It's about what he's got. You've got access to everything he's got because of what Jesus has done for you. You come into the blessing. You've inherited a blessing and God's become your source. That's good. But you got to learn how to understand how God does business. And you got to stop trying to do business your way because you know what we do. We, I, I believe we, we, we stop God from moving in our lives because we, we say, God you're, my, God, you're my source. You're my provider. Then we go try to take care of it. Let me go see what I can do. Let me go try to figure this thing out instead of saying, Lord, you're going to take care of this. I put this in your hands. I'm going to go worry about the kingdom business because you said seek first the kingdom and all my needs will be provided. 
So God's going to be the one to do it according to his riches. Whose supply is it? It's his supply. It's found in the kingdom. He's the source. Now, listen, he created this thing, didn't he? He created this thing. He's got no lack. He, he made everything you can see out of invisible things called faith. It's invisible. You can't see it. He spoke a word and things can't. All the gold that's in this world is made out of faith. If you need something, he can, all, he can just speak some more to you. There's no, listen, I, I just, I'm not preaching about greed. I'm not preaching about money. I'm preaching about getting off this world system because there's too many Christians tied to this world system. And when the economy's doing bad, they're feeling bad. When the economy's doing bad, they think they can't do what God's called them to do. When, they, when they're tied to this system, they're not fulfilling their purpose because they're connected to the wrong source. I want you to get your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Get your eyes on Jesus. Listen. Um, there, let, let's imagine for a minute, someone, a woman goes to the doctor and she says, doctor, can you, can you help me? I've just been, I've been feeling so sick every day. Just feel, I feel like I'm going to throw up all the time. And he gives, here's some pills. Go take those pills. You'll feel better. She comes back a week later. Doctor, you, you got to help me. I don't know what's going on. My back is in such terrible pain. I've got these, like a, like a pinched nerve or something. I don't know what's going on. Here, take some pills and you'll feel better. You know, doctor, I, the next week, I, I, I just can't sleep at night. I don't know what's wrong with me. Here's some pills to help you sleep. Go feel better. But he never addresses the source of the symptoms that the woman's pregnant. Listen, too many times we get our eyes on symptoms. We get our eyes on what's going on. Maybe it's blessings from God. We get our eyes on the blessings, but we don't get our eyes on the source. We get our eyes on our situation, but we don't get our eyes on the source. It's time we get our eyes on the source, the author and perfecter, amen? See, we, we've been paying attention sometimes to the blessings. Oh, isn't it good? God's blessed us. Yes, it is, but get your eyes on the source. Because if you get your eyes on the on the resource, you're, you miss the point. He's the source. He's the source. Listen, we can, we can say amen to that, but do we understand it? He's your source. It means, when, it means my job doesn't give me my finances. He does. Look over at Jeremiah 17. I don't know if I gave you guys this one. Jeremiah 17. And I want you to look at verse 5. Through seven. Look what he says. This is what the Lord says The man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord, is what? Cursed. When you get your hope in mankind, it's a curse. You trust in mankind, there's a curse. But what does he say? Look down at verse 7. The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is in the Lord, is blessed. See, you know what happens sometimes? We're not seeing what we should be seeing in our lives. We're not seeing the blessing manifest. We're not seeing the provision manifest in our lives because we're getting our eyes on the wrong source. We get our eyes on man. We get our eyes on 
what people can do. We get our eyes on, we gotta, we gotta get our eyes on Jesus. As long as you're trusting this system, you're just filling your tank with gasoline that's running on the floor. Get off this system. God doesn't want you on this system. It's broken. It's never going to be fixed. He wants you in his system, doing life his way. Look at Genesis 14 again. So he says, Abraham's blessed. Verse 20, I give praise to God most high who's handed over your enemies to you. And Abraham did something. He gave him a tenth of everything. Listen, I'm not taking an offering again today. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I thought about doing it, but I don't want people to think I'm trying to manipulate, manipulate you. I'm trying to get you off this system because God doesn't want you on this system. He wants you to learn how to live his way. Okay? So look what Abraham does. He gives a tenth. He gives the tithe. That's what the tithe means, the tenth. He gives the tenth of everything that they captured. He gave 10% to Melchizedek as his offering. Why did he do that? Where, let me ask this. Where did Abraham learn that? It wasn't, it wasn't from the Bible. He didn't have that. It wasn't from the law. It wasn't from Moses. Moses was his, he, he was going to come later. Where did Abraham learn it? It wasn't from his father. He was an idol-worshiping something, something, something. He didn't know anything about God. He was. He didn't, he didn't know anything about God. He didn't know how to tithe. Where did Abraham learn it? I'll tell you where Abraham learned it. He learned it from God. God was teaching him how to operate in the blessing. If you want to be blessed, you got to, listen, you have to learn how to sow. Sowing and reaping are the keys to getting off this system. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. God said it, but you know what? We don't really believe it. Because if we believed it, we'd do it. Ouch, some of you are turning off the internet right now. I don't even know why. Listen, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you believe it, you'll do it. God's the one that puts sowing and reaping in this earth. I want you to think about something for a minute. Well, look over here just, just for a second. We'll come back to Genesis, I think. Look at John chapter 7. I had never... I've thought about this before, but not, not quite like this. And I want, you to, I want you to catch this with me. John chapter 7, verse 42 Doesn't the scripture say that Messiah comes from David's offspring? Or in the King James Version, David's seed. He's talking about the prophetic scripture about the Messiah, that he would be the seed of David. Think about that for a minute. So what does that make Jesus? The seed of David. Look at Galatians. We were in Galatians 3 a minute ago. Look over to Galatians chapter 3 again, verse 16. Can you pull that up for me real quick? Look at what it says about Jesus in Galatians 3, verse 16. Oh, I'll just open it myself. There we go. Thank you. Now, the promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He doesn't say seeds because he's not talking about all you all. 
He's taught, he says seed, as though, ref, as though referring to many, but, and to your seed referring to one who is Christ. So Jesus is called the seed of David and the seed of what? Abraham. Are you with me? So what does that make Jesus? He makes, it makes Jesus seed. Listen, sowing and reaping. Look at John chapter three. You might've read this scripture before. Verse 16. So what is Jesus? He was seed. In fact, in Genesis, the very first prophetic scripture about Jesus, the Messiah, it was spoken that the woman's seed would crush the head of the serpent. We learned in our class on Wednesday nights that women don't have seed. Man, the man has seed, but the woman doesn't have any seed. But God brought Jesus through a woman without the seed of man. He's, the, he's called the seed of David, and he's the seed of Abraham, but he's God's offspring. He's God's seed. Amen. So look at John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he, I can't read this translation. I, got, I, I, I know it in my head in the King James. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What did God do? He loved the world so much that he sowed his seed, Jesus, into the earth so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Catch this this morning. God put sowing and reaping into the earth. And when he wanted something, what did he want? What was his desired uh, expectation? It was to receive his family back. When God wanted to get his family back, what did he do? He took his very best seed, Jesus, and he sowed his very best seed into this earth. And what did it produce? It produced a result that he got his family back. Listen, God believes in sowing and reaping. He puts sowing and reaping into this earth so that you don't have to be stuck in this world system, scratching your head, wondering, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to feed my family? What am I going to do? No, if you have a need, you got to sow your seed like God did. I'm not, I'm not taking an offering, I promise you. You start sowing seed, though. You can act on this today without an offering. You go somewhere and sow some seed. You sow seed, and God's going to bless it. And I'm, I'm going to talk about this. Let me, give you, let me give you an example. What does the Word of God say? Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. Something happened to me. I never put this together until, until much later but I, I had an experience, um, and probably for, for a couple of years this happened to me. I would be driving, this is probably, I don't know, a dozen years ago. I was driving down the road, coming to work every day. And every day at a different house, I would see one of these old TVs sitting by the side of the road. Because it was the time where everybody was switching from the old TVs to the better, newer TVs, right? And so every day I would see these old TVs, they looked great, they look like perfect TV. I thought, why is somebody throwing that away? It was sitting in the trash. So you know what I would do? I would pull over and pick it up. And I would, and I, I don't, and my wife would say, what are you doing with the TV? I don't know what I'm doing with them, but I'm, I can't, I don't like to see things thrown away. So I took it to church and I started a collection of TVs in one of the back rooms. And I, I don't know how many TVs I had over the course of years. I would, I would bring them in. And you know what would happen every so often? Somebody would come in, because I, I would think, well, maybe I'll put it in a Sunday school room or something. I don't know. 
And, and every so often, someone will come in and say, what are all those TVs there? I'd say, I, I don't know, do you want one? Yeah, let me have one. And so they take a TV home with them. And that happened for, I don't know, a number of years. I don't know how many. It wasn't that many TVs that, that I gave away, but it was quite a few that I, that I picked up. And something happened much a couple years after that. Um, our, our master's team was up in New Jersey. And we, we made a, a friend up there. It was a friend of one of the students and became our friend. And he said, man, you know what? I, I, don't, I work for this TV company. And he said... They, they throw, you know, they throw TVs away when they're old models at the TV company. I, I work, he said, I work at the warehouse, and part of my job is to go throw them in the trash can. He said, but I feel bad doing that. So he said, I asked my boss if I can take them and donate them to churches and stuff. And he said, yeah. He said, so I've got one in my closet. It was a big TV. He said, do you want it for your house? I said, sure, I'll take it. I took it home. We had it in our house for a long time until, until we were up there another time. He said, I got an even bigger one. Do you want that one for your house? I said, sure. And I gave that one to somebody else. And then, and then I was up there, and I'm not joking with you. He, he said, hey, I've, how much room do you have in your van? I said, I, I don't know. We've got a bunch of students and stuff. You know how it is. He said, well, you got some room for some TV. i got a bunch of TVs. I just want to give it to you guys because I know you're having like a missions auction. I said, okay, sure. I don't know how many TVs he gave us over the years. In fact, I don't know if that one's one of them. That's one of them. I think there's one in the lobby is one of them. He gave us a bunch of TVs for the church, and I think we probably auctioned off about 15 of them over the years. And I never stopped to think about that, but I, what was I doing when I was picking up TVs? That's a dumb illustration, is it? But you see it, whatever you sow, you reap. I chose, I chose to sow TVs. <laughs> I didn't, it, they weren't, but you say they weren't your TVs. No, they, they weren't, but God provides seed to the sower. And so he gave me some TVs to sow because I was faithful with that. And so then he started giving me, t so my point is, what do you need? What do you need? Figure it out. I mean, so this works, this works in every part of your life, church. This is not only about money. This is every part of your life. If you need something, hey, if you need healing this morning, the best thing you can do is get your eyes off of you, get your eyes on Jesus, and you pray for somebody else. You sow healing into people. You sow the word of God into people and start speaking and declaring the word of God over them in the name of Jesus. You, you know what you're doing? You're sowing and you're going to reap because the Bible says you can't sow unless, in, in, without it producing something. You're going to reap if you sow it. But you got to learn how to be faithful with what God's given you. Come on. I heard another, another story. I thought this was so good. A guy named R.G. Letourneau. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he was a businessman during World War II, and he grew up in poverty. I mean, he was just very poor growing up. He didn't have anything, but he had a dream. And one day he read the word of God, Malachi 3.10, about tithing and test me in this and all, all this. So he decided he was going to start tithing. And he gave 10% of everything he earned, and he decided to prove God because he had a dream. And he decided to test God and to prove, God, Lord, I'm going to tithe. And he said he began to ask God to show him how to make, how to design earth-moving machines. They didn't exist at this time. The big, whatever, the bulldozers and things like that, they didn't exist. But he said, God, show me how to do that. And he said, as he began to be faithful in his tithing, ideas would just come to him. Ideas were coming, and he became, he became so prosperous with what he was doing that he began eventually living off the 10% and tithing the 90%. And he had a big 10% that he was living on. But somebody said to him, how do you know it was from the tithing 
that all these ideas came. Maybe it was just coincidence. He said, no, 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 I'm 100% sure because every time I tithe, the ideas would come. If I stopped tithing, the ideas stopped or they became blurred. I couldn't, I, I couldn't figure it out. But as soon as I tithed again, the ideas came. When you start being faithful to sow, God's going to be faithful to you. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. Are you with me this morning? Listen, we, it gets stressful you start looking at this world system. It gets stressful when you start looking at things. You start looking at the stock market. You start looking at your bank account. You start looking at these things, and it gets stressful. Get your eyes off of that stuff because it's not your source. Get your eyes on your source, amen? I want to tell you, I'm telling you how to get off this broken system. It doesn't matter if your need is financial, if your need is emotional. It doesn't matter if your need is, is, is um, physical. It doesn't matter what the need is. You start learning how to sow. As you sow, it shall be given back to you, amen? Look at Galatians again, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. You still awake this morning. I, I don't know about all of you because I don't know if people are watching in bed this morning at home. Um, hopefully you're still awake. Poke the person next to you. Make sure they're not snoring. Okay. Galatians 6 verse 7. Don't be deceived. You know the problem with being deceived, I said it earlier, you don't always know you're deceived. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Oral Roberts said this. He said, giving is not a debt you owe, but a seed you sow. We got to learn how to start doing life God's way, church. We got to start doing life his way. If we don't, we're going to struggle. You know, Jesus, the, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus starts going through the law. Well, you know what the law says. Why don't you do that? Lord, I already did all that stuff. Tell me something else I got to do. And Jesus, what does he say to the guy? If you want to be perfect, go sell everything you own, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And so what does the guy do? In fact, let's go there real quick. Mark chapter 10. What does the guy do? He goes home sad, doesn't he? He goes home sad because he has a lot of stuff. And he, the stuff, it's not the stuff that's the problem. It's the fact that he, the stuff has him. Jesus says to him, he says, go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What was he inviting this guy to do? To come follow him. You only see Jesus say that to the 12 disciples. He's calling this guy to be a disciple of him. We might have actually known his name if he had chosen to follow him, but he doesn't. And he goes away sad. But listen to what happens now because the disciples ask a question because Jesus says, Jesus says to him, um, it's hard for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And they say, well, then who can be saved? And Peter says, look, in verse 28, we've left everything and followed you. What does Jesus say? I assure you, there is, not, there is no one who's left house, brothers, sister, mother, father, children, or fields because of me and the gospel who will not receive 100 times more now at this time, houses, brothers, sisters, and all this, with persecution and, and eternal life in the age to come. So here's what he's really saying. 
what, this, what he invited this man to wasn't giving everything up. It was sowing. He invited that man to sow everything he had because the disciples said, look, we left everything. He said, you're going to get a hundredfold back in this life and the life to come. Why a hundredfold? Because that's how seed works. When you sow it, you reap it. When you sow it, you'll get it back. You can't, you can't outgive God. Because see, so many times we got this idea like, I just got to give. I just got to sacrifice. God just wants my money. God doesn't want your money. He wants you. He wants you to learn how to be faithful and trust him. Because see, the problem is when we don't give, we're saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe that you're going to provide for me. I got to hold because the world has a hoarding mentality. You Toilet paper. Why, why are you hoarding toilet paper? I think they're afraid of what the virus is going to do to their stomachs or something. I don't know why they're hoarding, but they've got a hoarding mentality. That's what the world does. But in the kingdom of God, when you step out of darkness and into the light of the kingdom of God, you've lost that hoarding mentality. Now you should have a giving mentality because you're meant to be like him. You're meant to learn how to give. Amen. Come on. You got to learn how to sow. You know the story of, the, of Elijah. When he went to the woman and, and, and he said, and it's an interesting story. If you look at it, 1 Kings 17, he says to the woman um, that God had sent him to her to provide for his meals, to give him his food. And she, she looked at him, and she doesn't seem to have heard from God about this. And she said, no, no, no. I've got one last meal. I'm about to go fix it, and me and my boy are going to eat it and die. That's pretty depressing, isn't it? You thought, you thought the coronavirus was bad. She was, she was in a desperate situation. And what did he ask her to do? He said, go fix it for me, and then you'll have plenty. You know, that took some faith, didn't it? It takes faith to take your last meal and give it to somebody because they said God told them to, God told you to, them to tell you to do it. That takes a lot of faith. So she acted on faith, and what happened? Her food didn't run out the entire time. That little bit she had never ran out. When, but she had to sow something, but whatever you sow you're going to reap. Look one more, one more scripture with me. Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six. Look at verse 38. Give and what's going to happen. It will be given to you. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Give and it will be given back to you. But listen, when you sow something in the ground, if I sow, if I take a t one tomato and sow one little tomato seed in the ground, I'm not expecting one tomato. That would be stupid. I would, do not want to waste my time with a garden to get one tomato, although we've done it. Okay? But he says, give, and it will be given back to you. How's it going to be given back to you? Pressed. What does it say? Good measure. You know, there's, there's, a, one, there's a couple ways to measure things. You know, there's the way my kids measure candy for themselves and the way I measure candy for them. You know, they've got a, different, they've got a good measure. It will be given back to you, good measure, and then they're going to press it down, see if I can get a little, then you shake it, because then, you know, you got more room in there. That's what always, why do you open a potato chip bag and there's only like this, it's because they shake it and it, gets, it just starts getting lower and lower, but it's going to shake it together. 
um, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. But listen, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There's a responsibility here that's on you. The gospel always puts the responsibility back on you. God will do his part, but you got to start doing your part, church. Give, and it will be given, but the whatever measure you use, you're going to get the same measure. So if you're stingy, he's going to measure back to you stingy. Okay? If you don't want to be blessed stingily, then you give stingily. Unstingily. Don't give stingily. Venting words this morning. Listen, we got to learn to expect a harvest. We got to learn how to sow a seed and expect a return. Worship team's going to come up and close me out here in a minute. We got to learn how to expect God to do something in our lives. Because I'll tell you what, it's not good enough just to sow and say, well, that's just my sacrifice. Thank God I get to sacrifice. No, you give and you expect a return because he said you can expect it. Again, whether it's finances, whether it's miracles in your life, whether it's miracles in your family, whether it's sowing in. Man, some of you guys need to sow some stuff because you're looking at your life saying, why don't I have, Lord, I really would like this. Lord, why don't I have this? You sow, sow into somebody else. You learn how to be a giver like God who sowed his very best seed. You find somebody you can sow into this week. You're going to be around people this week, I hope, um, because people need to see you. Don't go in isolation, as nice as that sounds to all of you introverts. Don't go into isolation. I'm not telling. Listen, listen, you are in you are in a virus free zone right now. Your body, your body is a virus free zone. I'm just going to go ahead and speak it over you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit where no sickness can come on you. No disease can overtake you. Nothing's, nothing can stop you. you. You just believe that word. You speak that word. You don't have to be afraid of anything. You can even shake somebody's hand. You start, listen, you start giving. Maybe God's going to tell you, I don't know, go to, go to Walmart and pass out um, toilet paper out front of Walmart, and, and suddenly you're going to get home, and there's going to be toilet paper all over your yard. I don't know. Some, God's going to bless you somehow. But listen, you got to learn how to give. You got to learn how to be a sower. You got to learn how to sow into the kingdom. I challenge you this week, you go sow. You sow into somebody. Maybe you're just going to, maybe you're going to start to speak some kind, encouraging words to people. Sow words. Words are the most powerful tool in the universe. Do you know words can change the course of a life? Words can change the course of someone's destiny. Words can change the world. Words created the world. Words can change the world. You start, you start sowing words into people. You start sowing life into people. You start sowing hope into people. Are you with me this morning? Learn how to be a sower. Stand up with me. See, it's, it's time we stop making small plans. Because our plans are too often based on what we have. You make big plans according to what God is speaking to you, and you let him worry about how to provide for it. But you start being faithful to sow. God's going to put something in your heart to sow. You be faithful with that. You might say, Lord, that's, my, that's, that's all I got to live on. You're like the widow with her might. I noticed when that widow 
came to give her last mite and Jesus said she gave the most because that's all she had to live on. Do you know Jesus didn't stop her? Well, that's crazy. That's all she had to live on. He should have stopped her. He should have said, ma'am, God doesn't want you to give all that you have because then you won't have enough money to, she couldn't have done anything with that money anyway. She, it, was, it was worthless. But to her, it was all she had. She sowed everything and that was more than anybody else gave. And do you know, he didn't stop her because he knew the principle of sowing and reaping because he himself was seed. He knew that when she was putting that offering in, she was sowing a seed. And he knew that whatever you give will be given back to you. He didn't have to worry about that woman. He knew God was gonna be faithful because God is the one who puts sowing and reaping in the earth. So today, I want you just to take a minute, just bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, this seed, seed works, seed grows. And sometimes you gotta be faithful to sow and so, and so, even when you aren't seeing the harvest, because if you'll keep sowing, the harvest is gonna come. If you'll keep being faithful, but too many people are giving up before their harvest. They sow and they sow and they sow and they say, that didn't work, I'm gonna quit. You keep sowing, you keep sowing, you keep sowing and you're gonna reap. You start blessing people. You start speaking encouraging words. You start speaking the word of God and you're gonna reap. You keep praying for people and praying for people and, and speaking the word of God. God, you're gonna, you're gonna reap because God's faithful to what he said. But you gotta start expecting to receive a harvest. So Lord, we thank you for your word today. I want you, if you, if you have a need this morning, maybe you're still watching online. God bless you if you hung with us the whole time. If you have a need this morning, whether you're watching online or in the room, I want you just to, to, to put your hand on yourself or raise a hand and somebody near you is gonna put a hand on you. And I wanna pray for you this morning for God to meet that need. As you're faithful, listen, you gotta do something now because it's back on you. The measure you use, we measure back to you. You gotta be faithful now when you leave this room to do what God's speaking you to do. But right now, in the name of Jesus, we release miracles in this place. Whether it's a miracle in the body, we declare miracle and healing in your body in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for miracles to take place. I thank you for miracles and families to take place today. I feel like the Lord's saying, if you need a miracle in your family, you sow it to somebody else's family. If you, if you have a child who's away from God, you start going and sowing it to some other kids and God's gonna be faithful with your kid. Whatever God's speaking to you to do, you do that. Lord, we thank you for miracles today over, over families, miracles today over finances. Lord, we thank you for miracles today in every part of our lives. We thank you that we are walking the miraculous life. We are living a miraculous, abundant life because you've given us more and you do more than we can even ask or imagine. And right now I just release dreams and visions over this place that God's gonna be speaking things into your heart for you to do and to accomplish that's gonna only be done through his provision because God's gonna make a way where man can't even imagine a way. God's gonna make a way where there seems to be no way because he's the way maker. And so Lord, we thank you today. Have your way in us. We thank you for that word today. I pray, Lord, that we would learn how to be sowers and sow into the kingdom of God.